Hey everyone, and welcome to another new episode of Time Extend. Uh, I'm Adam Ismail. As always, I'm joined by Brendan Morrison. And this week we have a very special guest. Uh, it's none other than GT Planet's Jordan Greer. Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're so glad to have you. And uh, Brendan and I have, have wanted to have you on the show for a while. And um, it's, it's good to finally, finally get to this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've I've watched this podcast grow, you know, and and you guys have just done such an awesome job. It's so it's so fun to hear two guys who really know racing games and know this genre better than anybody. Really, it's it's so fun to to listen to you guys talk about things. And I, I swear, every episode that I listen to, I learn something new because <laughs> even though I've been in this space for almost two decades, I still am impressed by what you guys know and and learn something new so it's been great watching this show grow i'm gonna watch <laughs> thank you very much jordan um, i'm glad my um information about shocks has been useful so that's just about the nicest thing that anyone has ever said about me uh so i mean at least at least at least with relation to doing racing game podcasts or racing game <laughs> knowledge in general so um those are very sweet words and yeah uh it all it all kind of comes from a place that, like, you know, we'll, we'll get into it later. Um, we'll introduce the kind of the direction we're going with the show in a little bit. But, you know, uh, Brenda and I writing for GT Planet for a while, and that was kind of like our first exposure to um, really covering this in a more professional way that wasn't just like complaining about things on forums. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it all kind of started there and then just like getting to meet awesome people like you and the rest of the GT Planet crew. So, again, very very excited to do this and um yeah, so so what we're going to do with the show pretty much is we're going to start out and uh have a discussion a little bit about Dirt Rally um 2.0 because that came out a few weeks ago and we had it I right when we had our last episode it was like on the verge of coming out uh, and then yeah. I had I had to disappear to uh, Barcelona for a week to go to Mobile World Congress so I couldn't play it when everybody else was playing it and that was that was very very sad for me uh, but now we can so we're gonna talk about that a little bit and then after that we're gonna uh, talk to Jordan about a segment that I, I guess we're calling racing genre legends <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and we're just gonna you know, talk about gtp history and you know how everything kind of came to be with the site and because uh, it is a very interesting story so yeah that's uh that's how it's uh gonna roll So, uh, so yeah, Dirt Rally 2.0. I have been, like, all over the map in terms of my feelings about this game, which I really was not expecting. Um, and it's, it's kind of... <laughs> there's been a lot of, like, kind of shouting into the void for me on Twitter about it, <laughs> where I, like, haven't, like, formed my thoughts very elegantly. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, I think fair to say very highly anticipated, perhaps even more so than Dirt 4 because of the focus on rallying, which proved to be such a hit with Dirt Rally. 
uh, that for Codemasters to return to that uh, seemed like a, a no-brainer, you know, a very good idea. And also on top of that, you know, 2.0, like calling the game that is so... That's that's such a... Those are those are big shoes to fill, you know? And I know that the name essentially, like, alone doesn't really mean that, like, they have to do that. You know, it has to be Colin McRae Rally 2.0 all over again. But, you know, they're really sh- uh, shooting for stars with this one. So uh, right off the bat, I'm curious to know what, what your guys' feelings are. Um, Brendan, I, I feel like you're on a similar wavelength to me. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I've said on the podcast before, and if anybody's read some of my content on GT Planet as well, um, I was a huge fan of Dirt Rally, the original one. I felt as if it was the first proper good rally game we had this generation, actually. Um, before that, there wasn't really much to choose from. Um, and... You know, as the name suggested, it kind of seemed to take a lot of um, almost. It almost seemed to take a lot of its personality from Colmically Rally 2.0, just the way they had those exclusive steel books that looked at the original cover and stuff. So I think people were really excited for it because it was going to take what was learned from Dirt Rally, also what could be learned from Dirt 4 as well, and then give us the best Codemasters experience. And I think. Um, like just to to give an indication of where I sit, I genuinely feel that the driving is incredible, um, and the graphics are also probably the best we've seen from the Eagle engine. Very very colourful, and I love the the way they've managed to get the contrast and saturation down. Some of the locations, like New England, look phenomenal. But um, as as we'll go into in a bit more detail, I think some of the content around the edges and the content itself actually it leaves a bit to be desired now as far as i know you've been playing it as well jordan do you have any kind of summary thoughts you'd like to kick us off with yeah i, I think i agree uh with with both of you guys uh in in terms of the overall feel of the game it, it does have big shoes to fill that's that's for certain um but i don't know for me the way i tend to play rally games is you know i just want to get in there and drive i, I don't know it's like i've always I don't play them the way I would say, you know, a Gran Turismo or a, or a Forza or a Project Cars. Like I, I just, I just want to get in there and start rallying. And so uh, for me, you know, the actual physics and the handling and and the force feedback and stuff like that, that's all great. And so for for me, what I'm looking for in a rally game, it it fulfills all of those needs and and it sort of brings the type of rally game that I'm looking for in a modern package. It kind of delivers that for me. So. You know, it's. I know what you mean, though, about the a little rough around the edges. You know, with the content and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I've I've had a lot of fun with it so far. So I, I can't I can't really fault it uh, on the other parts. I, in some ways, it doesn't feel as polished, like with the with like the menus and stuff. I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel quite the same. But like I said, that's not really what I'm looking for in a rally game anyway. So it just helps me get right to the right to the good stuff quickly. And, uh, and that's really all I can ask for. Yeah, I think that's fair to say uh, as far as uh, the gameplay is concerned that it's, it is very streamlined. And I think that it, my favorite thing about the game by far is just like it, it feels it's everything I could ask for in terms of gameplay. The on stage, uh, if you will, experience of it is just top notch. And I think Codemasters has always uh, been at the, the top of their game with respect to rally it's always where they're where they're strongest in terms of the on-track product and um yeah the physics are on point uh and the game looks beautiful better than any 
uh, previous Dirt game, this generation at least, and it's really exciting to see Codemasters return to those production values uh, after they they were so good in the previous generation with those three Dirt games. They, they put out some of the most beautiful racing games of the generation, and in my opinion, they, they might be the best, and they were multi-platform, and they look at least graphically speaking, they, they look incredible. Um, and then Dirt Dirt Rally and Dirt 4 were kind of... Uh, Dirt Rally especially was like more of a smaller production. So it, it's great to see them really hitting that high level that, um, you know, you come to expect from Co-Masters over the years that you know they're capable of uh, and executing that. But yeah, my my concern is it's, it's partially around the content and the lack thereof or maybe not lack thereof but just um i always have this feeling uh with codemasters rally titles specifically especially over the last two or three iterations that they could do a little bit more um and that they don't tend to build off of the success of the previous entries and what i mean by that is you know rally 2.0 Again, best physics, uh, best to play, best to drive. But, uh, you know, as much as people didn't like Dirt 4 for the year stage stuff, I think that that game had uh, a, a very good single-player experience. And that's something I still care about. And it's it's something that uh, I still want from a rally title like that. Uh, I'm honestly not doing very much online racing. I'm not doing very much. I don't do any esports stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah, single player is important, and uh, Dirt 4 executed that very, very well. And I feel like with Dirt Rally 2.0, they kind of just uh, they they just kind of pushed that to the side uh, when they already had the framework of a very good single player experience there, and and that really bothers me. So I think like you're you're bang on in the sense that in terms of off the track stuff, it's very much dialed back. But um, I'll, I'll take Jordan's corner with this one and say that when it comes to the Dirt Rally franchise, what what I got from the first game was it was very much choose your car, choose your track, drive, and I, I loved that about it. And I understand understood at the time because it was a smaller project. Um, that, that was the reason it was that way. So they focused really on that driving. Um, Dirt Rally 2.0 though, I start to over time feel more similar to you Adam because um, the driving is fantastic and it's so easy to get in a car and drive which I love. But I've got this weird almost OCD like nature when it comes to career elements in racing games where if you're going to go all in with it with the way Dirt 4 did it then I'm fine with that but what I don't like is um, when you have a game like Dirt Rally 2.0 that randomly incorporates stuff like used cars and staff <laughs> but they don't really seem to impact much based on the way I'm playing so far, like there, there's nothing really there and then you take the, the dailies and weeklies who who, in my opinion not who, but <laughs> in my opinion they were created to create an equal playing ground that every day or every week people can compete in and then allow engine upgrades to factor into those rankings like, there's just there's, there's a few elements on the off the track stuff that, that started to build up over time for me and that's just a few of them where I feel as if they, they did want to put some of those nice Dirt 4 additions in but they also didn't want to detract from the core experience which is I can literally turn the game on and be in a rally within seconds that's fantastic like that's why I play Dirt Rally but I don't appreciate the fact that certain car classes come up and then if I don't have my car fully upgraded then I'm definitely not going to finish tier 1 on those rankings and um, given the way they've went with the career structure for Dirt Rally 2.0 as well I've got a feeling, me personally anyway 
Um, the dailies and the weeklies will be really what keeps me coming back to the game once I do the kind of standard set career mode three or four times. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's like somebody needs to tell Codemasters that, you know, a hardcore rally simulation and a excellent single player experience, you know, or as good of a, a single player experience as like what Dirt 4 offered. You know, it's like those are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like that you can have both of those in the same game if they if they took the best of Dirt Rally and the best of the Dirt franchise uh, and and combine them into into one I, I think they would have a really strong product that made everybody happy uh, i don't know why they feel like they need to take them in two different directions i feel like that was probably some decision that they came to in a in a in a meeting <laughs> you know uh, and and maybe uh they they said okay yeah let's this is a good idea but it actually may not be the best idea <laughs> uh, it's a fair it's, point it yeah, is. it's a good point because um, you almost feel as if this decision might have been made on the back of something like Forza Horizon, Forza Motorsport. But right. the difference with that one is they're so distinctly different. But like as a consumer, I think you could easily get confused as to why Dirt Rally 2.0 does pale in that single player element compared to Four. Um, like you said, why isn't it just the same thing? Especially when Dirt Four introduced hardcore handling. And once again, they did a similar thing where it was like they took the dirt rally physics but slightly dumbed them down. And it's like, ah, well, why wouldn't you just keep it the same way? Why? <laughs> and, and yeah, exactly. Like, what what difference does it make if you're offering the hardcore model? Just keep what people like. And yeah, I think that's actually a really good point, Jordan. It almost seems like they, they want to keep both brands distinct. And I know you for sure, Adam. You're not a fan of that, judging on your tweets. Yeah, I just don't understand why they have to do this to themselves. You know, I, I don't think that there's much incentive for them to do it to themselves. I think the same people who would play Dirt 4 are the same people who play Dirt Rally, you know? And I, I don't... It just seems like a distinction that's made arbitrarily based on at least nothing I've seen from the community, people who play these games, myself, you, my friends. Like, nobody has this expectation that they need to be different things. You know, Forza Horizon, Forza, Forza Motorsport are two completely different types of racing games. You know, one is a simulator, and one is a reasonably realistic arcade game um, that's based in open world, and, you know, Forza Motorsport circuit racing. You know, those games should not be the same game. There's Nobody feels that way, and, you know, they've been allowed to kind of um, double down on what makes them each unique and special in a way that pleases everybody. But I don't feel like dirt needs to do that you know if if codemasters wanted to come out with say a spiritual successor to shocks then they should maybe <laughs> come out with like a dirt you know a fun dirt showdown sequel or something like that i don't know but like yeah it, it just seems very arbitrary and my feeling when it comes to things like the single player mode uh in particular and i kind of feel this way actually about gran turismo's uh rallying representation over the years is that if you're not gonna go all out, you know, don't don't do it if you're just gonna kind of half-ass it or not half-ass it, but like if if this isn't going to be a substantial part of the game, then maybe don't do it at all. And I would actually have probably been more comfortable with Dirt Rally 2.0 single-player uh, factor if it was <laughs> if, if it almost didn't exist and they were just upfront about that, uh, because as it is now, yeah. you know, they tell you there's a career. 
and it's literally just like a, one of the menu items, like a pane right next to the, the daily challenge or the weekly challenge. Yeah. And it's essentially, you know, a single rally. And except you have to pay for the cars and you have to fix them up. But it's and there's that staff element, but it's it's just window dressing, honestly, especially like um, not to change the subject too much, but I've really been getting into Motorsport Manager 3 on my phone lately. And it's so good. It's so much fun, and I don't expect like any sort of like deep like team management simulation like that from an actual racing game. You know, there's so much work that has to be done um, that that it's way more complicated to to put that into a conventional racing game. But uh, when I see kind of Dirt Rally 2.0's like random staffing element that you could easily miss, like you could easily miss that. It's never put really put in front of you at any point during the actual single player racing, like. I just kind of laugh because it doesn't need to, it could just as well not be there and the game would be no different. Yeah, that's a great point. And two, you know, I mean, we're in this every day. We know everything about, you know, all these racing games that come out stuff, but put yourself in the shoes of an average consumer. You know what you've just heard last year, you know, you got dirt four coming out. Okay. Now you hear about dirt rally 2.0. (laughs) (laughs) what uh what what is what are you supposed to think about that you know like it's 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 confusing i I don't how do you how how did how is the average person and the average gamer how are they supposed to to process that you know and they're like okay dirt rally 2.0 is more hardcore like like yeah. you know, it's it, we understand it, but we're we're kind of in our own little bubble here, you know, in this racing game Absolutely. genre bubble, and and so I think from uh, from both a gameplay perspective, it, it it harms the the franchise, uh, but I, also from a business and marketing perspective, I don't see how it could really be beneficial. I mean, it it would it would almost make more sense to me if they just had you know Dirt Five, and just as like, we're like, okay, yeah, this is. The, it has the best physics ever, and you know we focused less on the on the uh, on the the single player side of things this time. But you know, really, they they need to be doing both. Because like I said before, those two things are not mutually exclusive. But you know, they need yeah. to combine them both. But the, if I was in charge of the franchise, that's the way that I would be running it because I don't think they really help themselves in any way by by having these two two things both called dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both rally games. So we have Dirt and then we have Dirt Rally. Just doesn't make any sense. Mm. It's almost like a, a it feels like a fan service series <laughs> just for like guys like us almost like even the name yeah. the fact it's called 2.0 the, the fact that it's very much oh this is the hardcore one like this is the way it should be but um not to to bring the tone down but if you look at the UK first week sales, Dirt Rally 2.0 didn't perform as well as Dirt 4 and not as well as the original Dirt Rally either. And um, yeah, like you're saying, the consumers, there's people in the UK that still refer to it as Colin McRae. Like that's that's oh, just wow. what they call any race, like any rally game by Codemasters. So it can get confusing. Like genuinely, I was talking to someone about Dirt 4, racing game fan, and they made the direct comparison with Dirt Rally saying, Oh, the last game in the series was much better driving-wise, and it's that awkward phase where you don't want to go full actually <laughs> and then tell them it's not the same series. And yeah, it, 
like uh, to me, it just feels like one of those weird like fan servicey games, like where you get the Dead or Alive fighting game series, and then there's like the weird volleyball spin-offs. <laughs> like this seems like the equivalent for rally fans, where you've got the hardcore sim for the people who love it, and then you've got the regular series. But the problem is that that isn't being communicated to the consumer whatsoever. It's funny too because um, when I look at Codemasters F1 output. I feel like that is exactly what an F1 game should be. And whether you are a serious fan who's also into sim racing and you want to experience a game that way in the most realistic way possible, or if you know, you're know you an F1 fan who doesn't uh, play many racing games or as much and is less concerned about realism and you just want to have a good time, that game can scale very well to either end. So... In that sense, Codemasters is like, okay, we'll make an F1 game that appeals to everybody, and it actually is one of those cases where I think it does, and they execute it really well. It has an amazingly deep, like, team uh, kind of uh, skill tree set up where you're investing over the course of the year uh, into the into the development of your car and into your team, and it's, like, super extensive and fantastic and rewarding to play. Uh, you know, you're dealing with the relationships of your team. So that game actually does do it all. And I, I don't know why they can't apply the same or, or why the logic isn't being applied to Dirt Rally or the or the Dirt series in general. I... <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, and it's just the nature of this type of content that we are discussing the negative of this, this game so harshly without giving the driving field the plaudits it deserves. But the, the fact of the matter is, like, the driving here, in my opinion, is even better than the original Dirt Rally, and mm. I've loved every moment on the track. The, the The weather effects are great, and I should point out I'm playing on PC, so your guys' experiences might have been different if it's a PlayStation 4, but um, um, how much the Eagle engines managed to scale up, because I loved the way the first game looked, but you could definitely tell it was running on a pretty aging engine at this point in time. But... Um, Dirt Rally 2.0, it just it's it's actually one of the best looking racing games I've seen quite some time outside of Gran Turismo Sport because that's just a ridiculously high barrier um, to bear it against. But I feel as if the the lighting is on point and the the environments look spectacular, even if there isn't that many of them. Yeah, I, I'm playing on PS4 Pro, and uh, and the game looks very good. It, it does kind of have a weird softness to it at times, uh, and it, I should also say that I'm playing on 1080p TV, so what the PS4 does is it super samples where it renders at 4K and then shows, you know, spreads that over a 1080p display, and... It kind of has this softness to it, where it's almost like they're trying real—they're trying too hard to anti-alias. Um, but that said, like it still looks really good. The lighting, you know, that has no effect on the lighting, and the environmental effects are great. I think it's fair to say, though, that like—I mean, that—that that was something that was surprising, right? Because Dirt Rally was a smaller title, and and Codemasters hasn't really um, executed in terms of the engine quite as well as they used to in, in a few years, but. You know, you expect a, a Codemasters rally game to handle really well, and and nine times out of ten they do. So like, that's why we're not talking as much about that because honestly, it's a thing that everyone thought this game would do well, and it does. Um, so it's almost like you you kind of end up just having more of a discussion about um the things that aren't so obvious uh, or expectations that you know didn't necessarily come through the way you were thinking they would. Yeah. 
I, I'm playing on PlayStation 4 as as well, and uh, and I agree with you, Adam. It's it it looks it looks really good, but it's also kind of I don't. It feels kind of gamey. Does that make sense? You know, mm-hmm. it looks. It's like it, it's like I'm 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 constantly reminded that I'm watching a a 3D, you know, simulated game, and and it's yeah. like I don't know. It's it's obviously you feel that way when you're watching any game, but something about it I, I, I can't explain what it is that that just holds me back a little bit from saying wow this game is gorgeous and i, I don't really get that same feeling when i look at say you know a, a modern forza game or obviously gran turismo sport uh, or even something like i racing it's it's uh that, that doesn't really have great graphics but there's just more of a consistency i think to the visual appearance of all the elements that that sort of allows your brain to slip into this reality and with uh with with dirt rally 2.0 i don't know i just feel like i'm constantly thinking about the fact that i'm looking at this rendered environment i I don't i can't put my finger on what it is it may be that sort of softness that you're talking about uh adam because i see that as well uh but i'm not sure there's something about i'd love to play the pc version uh, to see if on a really high-end rig to see if that maybe goes away yeah, I'm jealous of the way you get to play the game, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's, it's another issue all entirely, but um, at least your force feedback works. The Thrustmaster force feedback on the PC is pretty much, um, excuse the Scottish slang, humped at the moment. <laughs> the same. <laughs> it's, just, it's not working at all the way it should. The thing is, Codemasters have come out and said that it is from their side that working what they would expect to see. But there's a lot of complaints at the moment, and I know for sure. I tried driving the Stratos with my T150, and I might as well have tried to do it with my pinky because there was no... <laughs> it was a bit of a disaster. But in terms of the um, in terms of the visuals, if I could point out something that even on the PC that I might be thinking, the color spectrum's very flat in the game. Mm. I feel so like I, I, I praised how like New England looks, for example. But the fact of the matter is, it's all very much this is orange, this is red, this is yellow type colours. Whereas, mm. like your eye racings, your Gran Turismo's do very well at making a more broad colour spectrum. But I feel as if in Dirt Rally, they've they've kind of honed in on the, the atmospheric element, maybe a bit too much that creates that gamey effect. That's just a guess on my end, anyway, because I, I would understand that if maybe that was factoring in. Mm. That's a good point. I think it's funny too because. Um... It's a New England rally in this game. Kind of happens in the autumn, right? It's in the fall. I went through it once. I can't remember. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Michigan in previous Cirque games was also in the fall. So it's almost like, <laughs> you know, the Northeastern, uh, not Northeastern, but, you know, the U.S., uh, I guess, is just perpetually in the state of autumn, <laughs> I guess, when yeah. you're rallying. <laughs> to Codemasters, anyway. Yeah, it's located uh, near Autumn Ring, a circuit oh. you may have heard of. Hmm. It's in- <laughs> that makes sense. I love the fall. It's my favorite time of the year. I wouldn't mind living in that part of the world, wherever Autumn Ring is. <laughs> Speaking of times of year, um, no winter representation whatsoever in the base game. How do you mm. guys feel about that? Mm. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like it either. I feel like snow, ice, driving is sort of an essential part of the rally experience. That's something that is is totally uh, unique to the rally discipline, and uh, I feel like any rally game that wants to be taken seriously, especially by a hardcore audience, which they're which they're aiming for, 
for Dirt Rally 2.0. It really needs to have snow and ice. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're holding it back, uh, you know, for some kind of DLC and, you know, try to give the game a little boost a couple of months from now. But it needs it. It really does. It arrives this week, funnily enough. Um, the first wave of DLC includes uh, Monte Carlo, which will bring snow and ice here. Absolutely correct there, Jordan. But um, this is where a bit of controversy becomes in because you probably know that that was in the first game. Right. In fact, all the locations they're adding as DLC are from the first game. So that isn't too great. <laughs> well, as we know so far, sorry, the two seasons of DLC content we know about are locations from previ the previous um, Dirt Rally. Um, it's a little bit sceptical, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind them, like, I guess, bringing those locations back as DLC if we get the new ones first. But the lack of snow representation is unfortunate. Or unfortunate. And also, um, you know, Codemasters always has this habit of kind of doing this thing where they'll make, like, two massive stages for each rally, and then, like, every other stage is, like, parts of it. So if these rallies come back and they're exactly the same, but, you know, they'll say, oh, we use our new surface degradation technology or whatever on it. It's like, okay, fine. But if they're basically the same, then it's going to be a little bit disappointing. It's been a good discussion on Dirt Rally, and um, in the interest of time, we should probably move on. But does anyone have any final lasting thoughts? Um, yeah, I would just sum up by saying, if, if you're looking for the best driving experience in a rally game at the moment, I would say Dirt Rally pips it. If, it's, if you're looking for other stuff as well to go alongside that, and that includes the number of tracks, number of locations, then you might be slightly disappointed, but I do feel like um, Codemasters, as they, they often do, have hit it out of the park as far as the, the on the on-track experiences and between dailies and weeklies and those types of events. Um, if you're interested in competing in leaderboards, then you'll keep coming back, but the, the career mode is fairly standard for the genre. Yeah, I would say it's 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 definitely you know the best modern rally experience that you can get. You know, if, if somebody asked me, "What's I want a rally game? What should I buy?" I wouldn't hesitate to say Dirt Rally 2.0 for you know for any platform. But um, you know, I'm also uh, also have a bit of experience uh, behind the wheel of a rally car. You know, I've done uh, rally school at Rally Ready down in in Texas. Uh, did that three years ago, and uh, it was. Uh, it was really interesting, you know, to see how cars really do handle on, you know, on dirt and, you know, it's, it's it, to push to their limits, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a really unique thing. It's a unique way to drive. And, uh, and I think that the game really simulates that quite well. Um, I also like the way that the, the game has a, uh, it really, keeps you on your toes as you start going fast i feel like they've sort of added some some ridges and almost like curbs almost of of you know of dirt along the side of the road so as you start to go fast it it, it really has a sort of a pucker factor there and uh it makes you uh makes you sort of slow down a little bit when you're really pushing and and going hard and that makes it more fun that, that I, I like the fact that I'm tested like that when I'm when I'm driving a rally game. So it, we've we've been pretty hard on it in this segment, I think. But uh, as I said at the very beginning, I, I do think it's a great game, and I, I I really do enjoy it a lot. And I'm glad they I'm glad they made it. There's just some other things that they could do to make it even better. And 
who knows maybe they're listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that really says it all it's, there's like nothing else i could add to that um so yeah thanks for taking my thoughts guys uh no really <laughs> yeah, it's sir rally 2.0 and we'll we'll see how it evolves um you know over time it's they have a a serious dlc plan for this game that uh previous entries have not had so definitely something we'll revisit in the future and and yeah uh fun times ahead if you like rallying but at this point, uh, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and talk to Jordan about GT Planet. And congratulations, you are now officially a racing game legend. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. I'll be right back. Hey, and welcome back from the, the short little break here. And yeah, so as we said in the beginning of the show, uh, this week we really got a treat for you because we got Jordan Greer, a founder of GTPlanet.net, on the show with us um, to just talk about uh, the site and himself and the story of the site. It's the largest sim racing website in the world, uh, from, I mean, community website in the world, from my understanding. And um, it's really expanded and, and shifted over the years and just only grown. Uh, you guys recently started within the last two years doing a lot of move coverage and it's, it's great. Like it's, uh, not necessarily the type of thing I would have expected way back in like, you know, 2006 or 2007 when I started going to the site for, for, uh, to talk about, you know, GT five. Uh, but it's really been great to see the site grow. And, uh, it's also been great to like kind of be on the inside and be a part of. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for that. Thanks for being on the show. And a good place to start is um, I want to know one cool fact about you that before we get into GTP, Jordan, is not related to GTP. <laughs> a cool fact. Yeah. Cool fact. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, well, I'm not that cool. I, I guess I don't. Oh, come on! <laughs> come on! <laughs> come on! Oh, let's see. You're gonna make me feel bad for putting you on the spot. <laughs> oh well, I didn't see that in the list of questions. <laughs> mm. <laughs> let's see. The cool fact. Um, I I play golf. I've played okay. golf for like 20 years. So, um, kind of grew up on a golf course and, uh, I love to play and, uh, I'm not, I'm not as good as I should be <laughs> having played <laughs> golf since I was like eight years old, but, uh, but that's kind of my sport. Uh, and, and it's a lot of fun. So I, like I, I said, really... I'm not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really wish I, I mean that that's cool that that you do that I, I mean it sounds awful the way i just said it but i i've never played golf in my life i've never stepped on the golf course so i wish i could like be able to just geek out over golf right now and be like oh my god what do you shoot under par birdie i don't know what words i'm using right now but no yeah what's your favorite uh, golfer then jordan <laughs> um 
Well, let's see. I I like a guy called uh, Greg Norman. I don't know if, if you guys uh, may not have heard of him. He's not as quite as famous as uh, as you know, like Tiger or Phil Mickelson or those guys. But uh, my dad always loved Greg Norman uh, growing up. My dad's the reason that I play golf. So um, he's just a neat guy. He's an Australian guy, and he's got this uh, cool shark logo. And I thought that was just the coolest thing when I was young. <laughs> so <laughs> he's uh, that, he's probably my favorite. Cool. Tell me know you're a proper golfer, then you didn't just say Tiger Woods. No, no, <laughs> no. Tiger's great though. Tiger helped the sport a lot, but no, he's not my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say Tiger Woods, but it's a good thing the question wasn't posed to me. So anyway, um, yeah. So yeah, I guess why not start at the beginning, right? So GT Planet started in 2001, right? Yes. My up yeah. on my GT Planet history, good. You are long. well. Well, t- technically, okay. it started in two thousand one. That's the that's the official date. That's the date that I go by mm. when I celebrate the anniversary. Um, that's when the domain name was purchased. Um, that's when it really became known as GT Planet. Um, before then, it actually started a year earlier in um, in two thousand. And it was on a service called MSN Communities. It was later changed to MSN Groups, and then now they've they've since deleted the service entirely. But it was a uh, it was a community platform, and uh, I it, it <laughs> I just really thought that it was a nice little service that you could make web pages and uh, had this sidebar, and you could you know change the the configuration of the site, and you could customize it, and then it also had a forum built into it and um i created uh this gran turismo 2 community because i was playing gran turismo 2 and uh at the time obviously and uh i really loved the game and i thought well i really want to make a website and this msn communities platform seemed to be the easiest one uh for me to figure out and start using and people just started to find this little community. I guess there was a lot of a lot of people playing Gran Turismo 2 back then. And there was a lot of people using MSN communities as well. It was a really a popular service for its day because uh, I don't think people nowadays realize what MSN was back in 99, 2000. Mm. Uh, it, you know, you had MSN Messenger. That was, for me, you know, from back in the middle school days, you know, middle school, high school, uh, <laughs> everybody was on MSN Messenger here where I'm at. And uh, that was the sort of the de facto way to communicate um i think a lot of the a lot of the rest of the world was on aol instant messenger but my corner of the world it was msn and um so msn was a big deal and a lot of people started to find this community and it started to grow and it eventually became the second largest uh video game community on the platform wow and uh it was you know that was it was basically two clicks away from the msn.com homepage. So if you were on msn.com, all you had to do is click, which was the vi- most visited webpage in the world at the time, you know. So you you click on communities, video games, and then there would be the Grant, my Gran Turismo 2 community. So a lot of people found it, and uh, it, it really taught me a lot about managing a community and what... The, uh, what, what it's like and how fun it was to just connect with like-minded people that were interested in cars and interested in 
video games, particularly interested in Gran Turismo. And uh, I, I just made so many cool relationships uh, with people there. And, and that was all new to me. You know, the internet was still a, a I was on a 56K dial-up modem. You know, like th this was back in the day. This was like OG internet. Like this was like, this was way back. Yep. And uh, it, the internet has changed so much. But uh, it was really sort of my introduction to that whole world, and I just loved it. And I loved making the, you know, making my little community site as good as I could make it, and started learning the HTML so that I could customize the pages better. And um, you know, I had always wanted to make a website of some kind when I was even younger, but I didn't know what to make it about. You know, I thought I thought, oh, there's a website about everything <laughs> in 1999. <laughs> Little did I know how much it was going to change. But uh, you know the. Uh, um, back in those days too, GranTurismo.com was the king. And, you know, for people who may be listening who don't know, but GranTurismo.com was ran by a guy named Kenji, Kenji M. And uh, he had uh, built a really popular community around Gran Turismo. But I didn't even really know about that at the time. Hmm. Like, I, I, I think I had heard of it, but... I, if I had known that his site was so popular and big, I mean, it was a big forum in its day. Uh, I probably would not have pursued that or I would have been like, oh, well, somebody else has already done it. But I was just, you know, I'm like 13, 12, 13, 14 years old when all this is happening. So I was quite naive uh, looking back on it. But thank goodness, I guess I, guess I could say, <laughs> thank goodness I was so naive. Um, but then, uh, so my my mom and my parents you know much to their credit they really saw how much i loved doing this and running this little community group and so she um it's my 14th birthday she actually <laughs> this is how uncool i really am <laughs> but she bought me a domain name for my birthday oh <laughs> i know isn't that sweet yes yeah, a domain name of course back this is back in the day when a domain name is like you know 80 90 dollars yeah they're expensive <laughs> they were very expensive they it wasn't like you know eight bucks and you've got a domain name you know and, and like two clicks and you set up your GoDaddy site or whatever yeah like th this was a different different world so um so she bought me this domain name and she's like i think you need to turn this into a real website and she's like i bought you this domain name it's it's gtplanet.net she's like i couldn't get the dot com she's like you know gt you know it's gran turismo like I thought it was a really good name. You know, do you like it? And I'm like, yeah, I love it. And wow, so he's like, okay. <laughs> so so your said, mom came up with the name to the site. My mom named GT Planet. <sighs> your mom's the wow. best. <laughs> yes, she, she really is the best. She's fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> Revealed right here. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. My mom named GT Planet, and she's the one who registered the domain name. And she's the reason that it's also a .net too, because I was a little bummed out that it was a .net. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, oh man, .net. But you know, I think it might have actually been a little bit cheaper. I think mean, that was why she got it. I don't know. I don't know. But she registered the domain, and she's like, well, you know, I think you know you really like websites and stuff. I think you can, you'll figure it out. You know, and I'm like, I, I had no idea what to do. You know, I didn't know anybody that ran a website. I didn't like. I'm 14 years old. You know, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm playing Gran Turismo and now I've got this domain name and I was like, wow, you know, I was like, well, I don't know if I'll be able to do anything with this or not. I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about DNS or didn't know anything about any of that. All, all I knew is some HTML and how to log into my MS site. So 
I uh, I was really excited about this possibility, though. So um, I started looking into it and uh, just, you know, I bought some books and read a lot on the Internet, read a lot of the tutorials and stuff. And, of course, keep in mind, you know, Google is like two years old at this point. Hmm. You know, so Google actually started around the same time that GT Planet did. So doing research and stuff on the Internet was not like it is today. There's no, you know, there's no YouTube there's no, um, you know, there's no Stack Overflow for programmers who know what Stack Overflow is. It's a great programming help site that, that exists out there, and it's everybody uses it. There's just not a lot of these resources, so I don't really know how I did it back then, but I just had a real passion for it. I loved the web, I loved the internet, I loved computers, loved learning things like this, and so I started to get it all together. Uh, a guy named uh, Corey Breitfelder. Uh, he was on the forums uh, with this, uh, the first forum software that I used, that I chose, because it was free at the time. It was a flat file database structure, really crappy forum software, but I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but he, uh, I, I got connected with him through the, the official uh, Icon Board forums, and uh, he was interested in cars, interested in Gran Turismo, and uh, I think he might have actually been on the, the Gran Turismo MSN group community that I had and he helped me set up that first version of the site and without him it would not it would not exist and I've lost touch with him unfortunately uh, I've, I've tried to look him up tried to find him you know just to tell him thank you for everything that he did uh, but he was a web developer and and really helped me out and that's when the site began that was around you know early 2001 and I told everybody on MSN communities I'm like okay we're moving. <laughs> and please come like, with me. <laughs> please, please come with me. And a lot of people did. Some some people just kind of like hung on. Uh, but uh, a lot of the core community guys like really moved over and they're like, this is great. Um, and we just I just tried to keep a lot of the same rules and a lot of the same uh, structure to the site. But, you know, we could have different multiple forums and sub forums and all that. And from there, it just started to grow, and it grew slowly and steadily over the years. And yeah, I, I learned more each step of the way. It was always a challenge, and with the, as the popularity of Gran Turismo grew, so too did uh, did this website. So now here we are. That's amazing. Um, off the top of your head, do you know? Uh... If there are any, or I'm sure there are some, but like if there are people still kicking around from those MSN days on GT Planet today, yeah, there are a few. Um, I think the uh, the oldest, um, the, the most active, I should say, the most active oldest member would be a guy. Uh, his username is uh, Missin Blue, M I S N B L U, hmm. and uh, he was. I mean, he's he goes all the way back to the very yeah. beginning. And he's just a really nice guy. He's not as active as he used to be, uh, of course. But he was he was quite active in the in the uh, mid OOs and uh, you know early uh, 2010s and stuff. But he's he still checks into the site sometimes. Uh, there's um, he, he's the, the other guys I think have kind of have kind of tapered off uh, mm. over the years. But it's 18 years. We we do. It seems like a lot of the most active old members nowadays are people that found the site when it was GT Planet hmm. uh, already. So um, they don't quite go back into the the ancient history of the MSN community. 
but when GT Planet was still in beta, as it yeah. were. <laughs> Maybe alpha, pre-alpha. Pre-alpha. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting story. Like, even the, the .NET part interests me because maybe it's just me, but, like, the, the .NET part of the domain just kind of has always stuck out to me as, like, that's GT Planet yeah. .NET when I refer to it. So, like, if it was a .com, it would just be, like, every other website, but the fact that it's a .NET, it just kind of sticks out in a, a good way, funnily enough. Like, just the branding <laughs> of it, GT Planet .NET just rolls off the tongue, so maybe that was your, your mother's plan all along. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was uh, gtplanet.com was originally owned by uh, a Taiwanese company called Gifts and Toys Planet. <laughs> uh, and they owned the gtplanet.com uh, and uh, they sold like stuffed animals and toys. And uh, that was, uh, the, the, they, they eventually went out of business and it was around 2000. 2008 i think uh the domain name they kept renewing it and then it finally expired and it was going to go up for auction and uh for those of you who don't know like expired domain names if you don't renew it they will give you like they'll hang on to it like for a year the company that you register it with and then they will typically kind of sell it to a an auction company which will auction them off to the highest bidder and if nobody buys it then it goes back into the uh into the ether you know and, and you can register it normally but these companies try to make some money off the auctions for domains that have some value and uh so i was of course watching very closely that expiration date uh, of gdplanet.com and uh, the uh well, the day came up and it went to auction and uh somebody else was uh was bidding against me and i paid i won the i was like i'm I'm going to win it. Like, I have to have it. <laughs> he doesn't like, know who he's dealing with. <laughs> he doesn't know who he's dealing with. But, uh, but I think I paid I think I paid about $850 for the gtplant.com domain name. Somebody was bidding against me. And uh, then when I finally won it, I, I ran around the room and did a dance. I was so, <laughs> so happy. Because a lot of people do think of it, you know, that they don't think of non.com domain so a lot of people just type it in uh and they don't they don't think about the net part of the, of the domain extension so um and actually i'm in the that kazanori documentary and of course they have my name there and then below my name it says gtplanet.com owner mm. <laughs> so, uh, that's not right uh, so, yeah no, i know so i was uh i was really glad when i got the name because that way i was able to redirect it and and uh, keep it and that way I wouldn't lose out on anybody. It's definitely like a part of the site's identity for me too, like what Brendan was saying. And also like I think other .NET site owners really should give you a lot of credit because like I think .NET typically is seen as like the lesser like oh that site they couldn't get .com so they're, they're probably not <laughs> they're probably not that, you know, invested in anyway, but no, you you gave .NETs a good name. So thanks <laughs> well, for that. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Like I said, I was 14 when it all started, so I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> but you know, it's it can't be changed now. So it's uh, it's .net, .net. But it it does sound good though. I mean, with in, it ends in net and .net. Oh yeah, so. you know, if you were one of those trendy new sites, you would do gtpla.net. Well, I, I actually yeah. own that domain. Too. Oh, perfect. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Excuse me, the, then. Uh, yeah, that is the uh, 
that is I, I use it with the uh, URL uh, link shortening service. So if you actually go onto GD Planet's Twitter feed and look at the links that are posted there, they're all under that shortened URL, gtpla.net. All right. So a little fun fact. Learning fun fact. so much. Right? Right, <laughs> yes. Brendan? I didn't know. Yeah. I've been a member of the site for years and didn't know any of this. Oh, Planet.org as well. <laughs> and dot TV. Dot TV. Ooh. GT yeah. Planet TV. Yeah, taking over. Is that, is that a tribute to the ill-fated GT TV? <laughs> yeah, I also own GranTurismoTV.com and GranTurismo5.com. Oh, wow. That's a coup. <laughs> yes, and GranTurismoSport.com as well. So... Oh, I so imagine they, the day that GT Sport was announced, it was like, you were right there, like, I'm getting yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually heard it was going to be called Gran Turismo Sport, like, almost a year before they announced wow. the game. So, How um, dare you keep those secrets from me? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, if I, if, I, if I shared everything that I know, yeah. Uh, I would probably have a lot more traffic. I'd have a lot of enemies as well and I would ruin a lot of friendships and a lot of trust so uh, but yeah, yeah. so I, I knew it was going to be Gran Turismo Sport long 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 time ago and I was like hmm I wonder if they've registered the domain name yet they hadn't so it's mine <laughs> it redirects to GG Planet <laughs> it, it sounds funny as well but you probably did like Polyphony and Sony a favour because you know the way these websites are when domain names get registered it's like right. oh they're, they're definitely going to announce Gran Turismo 17 at E3 yes <laughs> like, by you taking Gran Turismo Sport people would just assume ah it's just that fan site yeah no way GT Sport exists <laughs> <laughs> yep yep that's true I did them a favour Hope they hope they see it like that. <laughs> that that's an incredible amount of information for what I considered the generic question. Like that is an incredible story, to be honest. You can have a podcast about that alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, if it's already with you guys, then we'll move on to the second question. Yeah. I mean, that story shows like the, the road to success and how much effort went in. And personally speaking. One of the reasons I always loved the site was you could definitely see there wasn't just a passion there, but you also did have a, a keen eye for making sure that um, the kind of terms were followed by the members and everybody treated each other with respect. So I would say that that kind of helped in the website success in the long term. But what actually shocked you most about the website success? Because obviously everybody couldn't have seen how big Gran Turismo was going to become. Like it got massive. But um, did it surprise you? Did that surprise you the most, or was it actually the fact that everybody started talking about other games on your site that started off as a Gran Turismo fan page? Like you actually built Forza communities and Project Cars communities. Was that just as impressive to see from your standpoint? Yeah, it was. And uh, you know, I'd say that the most common question that I get asked about the site, you know, from from everybody, not just you know media things like this, but. Um, you know, just friends and family. You know, they're like, could you ever have imagined that the site would be as successful as it is? And, you know, the obvious easy answer to that is is no. You know, I never never would have imagined that. But, um, you know, in, in a way that would be a bit of a lie because for some reason I've always felt compelled to work on GD Planet and to, to build it and to, you know, really invest 
a lot of time and a lot of money as well into it. But I just, it just feels special to me. And I've always thought, like back in the day when I was first working on it, I was like, you know, I really need to keep doing this because this is something special. I think it's the, I think that comes down to the relationships and the people on there. You know, I like, I like serving people. I like making people happy and, and, uh, and providing a, a platform. I like hosting people. And it allows me to do that on a on a global scale, and uh, so I think that's kind of where that comes from. So uh, it, it's I've always felt like it was destined for great things, and uh, that sort of helped fuel my my passion for it. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it, it it's it has shocked me though just how large and and influential it has become in so many ways. Um, you know, I, I'm shocked when people find out that people in the industry you know say at SEMA or something uh, I, they find out who I am and they say oh wow I love your site and I'm like wow you know about it <laughs> you know you people a lot of people that uh, that you may not uh, ex- expect uh, are you know familiar with it and that's a that's a huge honor uh, I've also been surprised at, uh, at just how influential it has become on the games and on you know Gran Turismo in particular uh, I know there's I've said this before in the forums, and I know nobody believes me, takes me seriously, but uh, they they actually do read the site, and uh, they they really take on board a lot of the uh, feedback that people post and share. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Gran Turismo is not not built by committee. It's not really built by feedback. It's really whatever Cosnori wants it to be. But um, I knew he was ignoring all of my threads. I knew it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know the, the the developers that are actually building the game, they aren't ignoring your threats. But the guy that actually makes a decision, yeah, he's he's probably not reading. So, um, uh, you know, but it's it's it is really cool when you see something happen on the site, and then it has a real effect on you know a game that millions of people play. Uh, that that is just what is is most surprising to me, and uh, I think the way the the real life relationships that have formed from the site uh, continue to shock and surprise me. Uh, you know, when I, I see these guys at these uh, these FIA events, and you know, Andrew and and uh, Dan, David Anderson, they, they put together these amazing events in the uh, in the UK, these Gran Turismo parties, and these people they they create real friendships, true friendships uh, that you know last a lifetime. Yeah, and, and you know, Andrew Famine, he goes by Famine in the forums. You know, I mean, his best man at his wedding, he met through GT Planet. I, I mean. That's just incredible to me, and to know that I've know that I've I've had an impact on the world and other people in that sort of way is just mind blowing to me. It, it's it's mind boggling, and it's the most satisfying thing that I get from running the site. It's such a great like it, it, like for me, it just like reaffirms like the good uh, of the internet that like. Yeah, people always talk about like you know how social media takes a toll on society and on relationships and on people but like I feel like whenever anybody talks about like the ideals of like connecting people and all the great things that the internet can do I look at you know I look at GT Planet based on you saying all those things I look at GT Planet it's like that's all of it actually happening bring people together in the great community and also like outliving kind of what what tends to happen with sites like uh, GT Planet that have been around so long that they, they just can't keep the lights on for, you know, five years, ten years, and here you are, like, getting close to 20 years. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's the type of story that you always want to hear that that is kind of rare but uh the site is actually an example of it well thank you very much i really do appreciate you you saying that and that makes me feel feel great to know that that you feel that way you know about it because we do have unusual rules and we make people use proper grammar you know and we've got a profanity filter and we have you know we have we, we make people treat each other with respect and uh you know but we're also fair and we allow people to to say what they want and that's a very conscious decision because um that and it is something very unusual that you see on the internet but i think that um i i think that that spaces virtual spaces on the internet are no different than spaces in the real world you know if you let a place you know if you let some lights get broken and you let some graffiti stay up on the wall and you let the trash can start overflowing and you know you let people just you know lay out drunk in the streets well you know people aren't going to really enjoy spending time in a place like that you know they may they may have a good party there but you know they're not going to stick around you know everybody likes uh you know bourbon street in in in, in new orleans but you know <laughs> nobody really wants to live there <laughs> and uh, and it's um, it, it, I want to make sure that it's it's always well run and that it's buttoned up. I think when you see that, it kind of keeps away a lot of the riffraff and and I'm sure it turns a lot of people away. I have no doubt that it does. But I've always tried to look at the bigger picture and say, what type of person do I want to attract to this community? You know, do I want a kid who's just going to be like, you know, LOL, OMG, WTF, and I may get a lot of those, you know, yeah. and they may post, you know, just tons of memes and stuff like they would uh, flood a, you know, a, a, you know, maybe a Discord server or, you know, they'd post on Twitter or, or Reddit or, or some other or forums. Right, right, you know, and so, I, the, the, but those are not, I could probably get a lot of those kids, you know, and I'm, I may have, yeah. I may get more traffic, but. Those are not the longer term, more serious guys like you two, you know, that I want to look at GD Planet and say, wow, this is a neat place. I want to hang out here because, you know, ultimately, look, I mean, look what you guys have done. You've made this amazing podcast. You know, you're contributing all this content to the Internet, to the community. Uh, you know, you, you guys are a million times more valuable than a million little kids posting memes and gifs you know in the forum so that's uh that's kind of a, a strong principle that i've tried to uh stick with from the from the very beginning from the early days and uh, and i think it's it's really paid off in the long run and it has helped keep the space unique in a uh, in an internet which seems to be devolving <laughs> at a <laughs> at a rapid pace yeah i think um i can say for myself anyway like I'm a highly emotive person, so I'm the kind of person that can get involved in internet um, shit-slinging matches, basically, <laughs> um, pretty easily. But I always felt as if GT Planet was one of those communities where it was like, tread the line very carefully because you enjoy going to that website and you like talking to the people there. So, I mean, personally speaking, as somebody who started off in the forums... Um, bitching about wall riders at high speed drink and GT5 Pro. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, the transition and get that opportunity to write for GT Planet felt like a really huge moment for me and I was so privileged at the time to work with you guys on that. 
and then even like time extend, like me and Adam knew each other from the forums, but we didn't yeah. actually start properly speaking to each other till we had the the pleasure of reviewing Micro Machines World series. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it, it just goes to show that the website has impacted um, my internet presence, and therefore my real life a lot, uh, quite a lot, to be honest. Yeah, we That's are funny. living examples of that. You know, the show came out GT Planet. Um, and frankly, Brent, I, th- I think those uh, wall riders got what was coming to them. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, it's interesting that the way you guys are talking about, you know, the uh, the level of the discussion and the community uh, that, that happens at GT Planet where like, you know, I joined the site that was probably like, uh, I was probably like 14 or 15 or something like that. And I would, you know, because I was a teenager, I would piss people off and I would say stupid things, but I would feel bad about it, like, almost immediately. And I never felt bad about saying those things at any other website, but GT Planet was different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like what I, was, what I was saying about, you know, the broken lights and the graffiti and stuff. And uh, it, it's, it's one of those things, you know, if, if you see other people throwing trash on the ground, you know, and you see people making messes and stuff, you're going to be much more likely to do that. Like, it's just basic human psychology, sociology. Uh, but, you know, if you see everybody making an, an effort to, you know, put their trash in the garbage can and, you know, pick up, uh, you know, something off the ground then if it, if it, and keep the space clean, then it's that social pressure does so much more, uh, even in a virtual environment. It, it does so much to sort of help foster that. But you got to keep it up, and it's... For a video game website, it's basically unheard of. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No, definitely. I think um, any of the other bigger video game uh, forms and stuff, they actually seem to encourage hostility to get people coming back. Do you know that way? Like, um, I think like Resetted is a good example of a website where um, they do have a lot of kind of industry professionals there and stuff, but there's no doubt about it that a good contingent of people go there. Um, just to shove it in the faces of people when Nintendo sell more games that they didn't make than the other yeah. company and that type of attitude and honestly Jordan, the fact that you managed to negotiate the Gran Turismo versus Forza Wars of 2008 circa 2011 Ooh. those <laughs> is, are is dark, dark days <laughs> yeah, um, you still get some stragglers that try and keep that party line going but I genuinely feel like um, there's like a mutual respect cross genre now that you see in GT Planet especially that um, if somebody comes in and tries to do that type of thing they're almost uh, laughed out of the threads and told to be a bit more adult about it not by the the rules that you've set or the the people there to govern it but just by the people who actually go to the site that can say that's not how we do things around here (laughs) we we might have allegiances but when it comes to discussions a lot of the time is actually worthwhile Right. Yeah, it's a culture. It's a culture, and uh, and that's that's way more powerful than any rules or moderator tools, uh, you know, can can be. But uh, but yeah, it's it's still a minefield. It's still a minefield. That's uh, that's a, that's it's always a contentious subject ever since Forza, Forza came out. But that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we'll do that in a future episode. Yeah, that, that's a another. Yes, that's another episode. I think it's interesting how the site became um, 
the, the place where you would go, honestly, before Sony announced anything to know about news about the about the franchise. That was, I feel like, one of its most uh, valuable. I mean, that attracts a lot of people to say, obviously. But to me, like, I would visit GT Planet all the time, especially in the run up to GT Five. Um, and I would start at the blog, whereas I used to, you know, I, before that I would start at the forums, but I started to go to the blog directly because uh, I was looking out for news. And from there, you know, you got to uh, interview, you know, all the great people, Polyphony, and and go to these events. And at that point, uh, it was almost like a transformation. The community aspect is still integral to GT Planet, absolutely, and it's still, you know, why the site is here today. And it's what makes the site great, but there was almost like an editorial uh, kind of expansion in those days, in like the late 2000s. So, um, with all of that going on, you know, what what are some of the more like the amazing opportunities that the site has given you? You know, people that you've met, conferences you've gone to, stories. Uh, I mean, where this is an awesome show. Um, we don't have to go into super deep stories or anything like that because I feel like we're taking up so much of your time already. But yeah, what's you know what's happened? Like memories stick out in your mind. Yeah, oh, no, I mean it's GD Planet is my is my baby. So it's like you know I, I love everybody loves to talk about their children, right? So <laughs> so, so I love talking about it um, with uh, with people that that understand and hopefully hopefully you know the listeners are familiar with the site as well. But um, but yeah, you know. Back in like 2007, when I made that editorial change, you know, or not not really a change, but I introduced the editorial side of things. That was a transformative decision for the website uh, because from then, from from that point after, like it, people always looked at it differently. And and from that point before, before that point, it was never really seen as like a a place where you could necessarily go to get news because you had to go dig into the forums and it was a lot of work and you had to know how it all how it all you, know, you had to understand the forums and and really be willing to dig down in there and uh, to get that stuff and you know it was kind of <laughs> a lot of that was because of my own life you know the way things were were going in my own life I was in high school you know I was really busy I loved running the site but I couldn't sit there and write articles and stuff and I didn't want to and then I was in college and really busy with all that um but you know as I started to get older I started to um you know I was more confident in my writing skills and uh more confident in my technical skills as well um I studied computer science in 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 college university and uh so I, I realized that a lot there was a lot happening on the forums that people who just casually visit the site may not be may not know about so I installed WordPress and set up a blog and my goal was to sort of highlight or extract the pieces of news that people would find interesting uh, from our forums and it quickly caught on and the the timing was perfect because that was the start of GT Academy that was the start of Gran Turismo 5 and and Gran Turismo 5 for us it's hard to it's hard to overstate just how big Gran Turismo 5 was for GT Planet. That was sort of like the lead up to that game was just incredible. Like the, oh there's God. maybe I don't know that there has ever been a game uh, certainly not from my perspective that has ever been so dramatic. You know, like it was, <laughs> it was a roller coaster. It energized ride. everyone. 
it energized everyone. People were so hyped for that game because we were fresh off the Gran Turismo 4 high. You know, like, I mean, it was like, you know, PlayStation 3 was the hot new thing. And, you know, we had GT5 Prologue, which sort of nobody knew what the hell that was. (laughs) 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 You know, people were like, is this GT5? Like, you know, nobody knew, but people liked it. People liked what they saw. And, you know, GT5 is like, you know, man, that game is going to, like, change the world. It's going to be the biggest thing ever. And just any little drop of news. And this was really before social media. You know, like, mm-hmm. social media was, was coming on, but not not really. It, and and PlayStation and Gran Turismo, they really didn't have, uh, they really didn't have a lot of messaging in terms of their, uh, of, in terms of, you know, their news and stuff. So, so gd planet really sort of filled that void and it was just sort of this perfect confluence of of factors that came together that a lot of people found the site and read the site like religiously every single day and so i was writing these articles of course and so it sort of injected me into this narrative and people saw you know who was publishing all these articles and so People are like, oh well, what does Jordan have to say about this? What does you know what what is what is Jordan what what is Jordan reporting about today? And uh, it, it sort of turned the site from sort of this community platform that I was the leader of into me as sort of this person that's kind of has a role in this story of Gran Turismo. And it was a real shift, uh, not just of the way this, the site was perceived, but for me personally and. You know, this is also around the time the site started to actually earn money and, you know, really started to turn it into a business. And so that's when when GT5 was uh, was getting built up, uh, we were getting closer to the release. And um, one of our moderators, um, his name is uh, Sinraith and uh, his name's uh, Mazier is his real name. And he was hired by a company called Jardine International which is actually the company that uh, actually hosted GT Academy. So they're the ones that Sony and Nissan hired to, you know, do the race camps and work with Nissan and, and reserve Silverstone, all the logistics. It's all managed by a company called Jardine. So he got a job with them and he told them, you know, about me and about GT Planet. And he said, you know, you really need to make sure that, that Jordan and GT Planet come to the uh, launch party for GT5 in Madrid, Spain. And, you know, I would had no formal media training, you know, like this was just me in my in my bedroom, you know, typing up these articles. And yet, you know, I had hundreds of thousands of people coming to the site every day to read what I had to say. And uh, it was, you know, but yet I had never been to any events or anything. I had, you know, I had nothing to go on. So he connected me with uh, with with Sony uh, Europe, PlayStation Europe, and uh, got me an invitation to this uh, to this event and that launch party in Madrid. You know, that's where I met Kazanori, and that's where I met so many people from Polyphony Digital, and they were all really excited to meet me because they had no idea who I was. I was just this mystery man 
They, you know, and I didn't make any videos or anything. They had no idea what I looked like. Mr. Citroen no C4 thinks he can tell us how to run our game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this, this random guy who's leaked all these, you know, stories. And, you know, he's I probably, they probably hated me. I don't know. But, you know, but I always try to approach it from a, from a position of passion, you know, and, and interest and just, you know, telling what's out there. And so, uh, so that was a, a pivotal moment, and that will that that launch party in Madrid for GT5 for me um, is 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 probably you know sort of that will always be you know like one of my my greatest most favorite moments because um, it changed everything changed after that. That was another turning point uh, because you know from then they once they knew who I was, then they wanted to you know to, to work with me and invite me to more things. I was invited to um, to to GameSpot. They hosted a a live stream for GT Academy to promote GT Academy, and so I was out there and I was you know, I'd never done anything on a stream before, and this was in like 2011, 2012, I think. So you know, streaming wasn't really the mature thing that it is now. And I was on there playing a game, talking about GT Academy, and Taku Imasaki was there. He was the uh, U.S. producer for the game. And he, you know, me and him really got along well. So then IGN called and they're like, okay, we want you to uh, co-host the uh, GT Academy U.S. Regional Finals live stream that we're doing in, you know, in San Diego at Comic-Con. And I'm like, okay, you know, and then, you know, then it just kind of snowballs from there. And then they said, then, you know, Sony calls the next year and they say, okay, we want you to host the uh, live stream from Times Square for the GT Academy US finals, you know, and, and co-host a live stream with Nick McMillan, you know, the US Academy uh, champion. And then, <laughs> you know, then it just snowballs. And, you know, and then they're asking me to be part, part of the Kazunori documentary. And then uh, I'm asked to co-host the reveal of Gran Turismo Sport in the copper box that they did. And, you know, and, and now uh, I've, you know, I get to go to all the uh, launch parties and all the events. I was at the 15th anniversary party and, and it's just, it's just grown so much. Now I get to go to all the FIA events. You know, I'm going to Paris uh, next week. I was in Monaco for the for the World Finals, and in Madrid for the European Regionals, and Las Vegas, and all this stuff. All these crazy things uh, that have happened because of that one trip. And then on the Forza side of things as well, we've we've expanded there, and and that has added as Sony's interest in GD Planet from an early day early days as back in 2010 but that that has legitimized the site in so many ways and so now we get invited to all the forza events you know kyle he's he's uh he's our guy on that you know and he he stayed in a in a yurt in in uh goodwood yeah <laughs> for, for, for the forza horizon 4 event you know and so it allows us to report on all these different things and bring a uh, additional editorial professionalism to to the site and just just add another aspect uh, to the to the community side of the of the site that I think is is really important because that's how people like to consume content these days. Yeah, it's a, it's a long, long answer to a simple question, but um, but that 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 GT5 launch was pivotal for me. GT5 is is probably the most important, definitely the most important game for me aside from Gran Turismo 2, which which inspired me to start the site in the first place. Its importance cannot be understated. You mentioning especially the run up to GT5 just like triggered so many memories in me as well and and I remember 
think it was the E3, the first E3 trailer was like the highest traffic GT Planet day ever, right? Yeah, actually, okay. the um, the highest traffic. <laughs> this is kind of kind of odd, but the highest traffic day for GT Planet uh, was actually the day that it was a year after GT5's release um, mm. when they launched GT5 Spec Two. Oh wow. That was the that was the the record traffic day. Um, mm-hmm. It it would have been the uh, the fifteenth anniversary event at Silverstone when they announced Grand ah, Turismo okay. Six. That yeah. would have been the, the the leading traffic day. It missed it by about three thousand users, and the reason is because the site crashed hard. <laughs> well, that's that's what I was thinking when you were talking about GT Five because I remember uh, me and my friend uh, who I, I would like to be on the show one day, my buddy Trevor. We were watching the E three two thousand nine uh, trailer where they had. Uh, they revealed the NASCAR license and the WRC license, and that was that. That is one of my all-time favorite trailers. It's just like the perfect nice. thing to build hype for the game. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what we were doing was we were watching that, and meanwhile, one of us, because you know, it's back in 2009. So I think maybe I had an iPod Touch or I, maybe I had a laptop. I don't know what I was using, but frantically like re- refreshing GT Planet. Like at the second that the trailer ends and the site, I think the site was down or the site was having some trouble because it was just the influx of users. And then just like also seeing people like post like, oh my God, they just updated the, uh, the official Gran Turismo website with the pictures. Oh my God, there are more pictures on the GT Plant home site. Like uh, it was, <laughs> it was an absolute mad rush and it was so exciting to, you know, even just me and my friend in his basement watching this felt like we were a part of that big moment because of the site. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big day, and the site crashed really hard. <laughs> yeah, the site crashed really hard. I was in a uh, in a hotel room in Los Angeles that I remember exactly where I was at, <laughs> desperately trying to, you know, get all of the the media up and and try to post the update and, you know, manage the the server, you know, nurse the server back to health. <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, that was a wild day. That was a wild day. Proves you're doing something right when you crash. Yeah, I guess that's a, I guess that's the one silver lining to it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's if your site is crashing because it has too much traffic, then you're you're doing something right, and you're also doing something wrong because you did get your server infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of a wake up call then. Yeah, that was a bit of wake up. A bit of a wake up call. Um, uh, a lot of most of my knowledge uh, of server administration and and for those who don't know, like I, I manage. GT Planet from top to bottom, you know. So I, I wrote the, I wrote the uh, HTML that you see on the front end, and I manage, you know, I, I'm I'm doing kernel updates on the server, uh, on the on the the back end, you know, top to bottom. So I manage the full stack, and so, and back in the day, I was also writing all the articles as well. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit to do uh, that day. I was uh, definitely sweating in front of my laptop, trying to make make it all work. Uh, but yeah, those were those were really really exciting times. I think I've got the server stuff. Uh, I shouldn't say this. <laughs> I'm going st- to stop myself right there. But I think you can figure out what I'm gonna, what I was going to say. But I'm not going to. But hopefully, never- downtime is a bit less less frequent these days uh, you never I'm, want to say you got under control because there's someone no. out there who's listening who's gonna say like i'll be the judge of that <laughs> yeah i hope it's kazanori i hope kazanori's like i'm gonna make an announcement so big i'm gonna try to crash jordan servers <laughs> that, would be, that would be that i would be okay with that but 
but yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time and a lot of money trying to, you know, shore up the infrastructure because, because uptime actually matters a lot because if you can't rely on a website to be up, uh, then you're not going to depend on it. So the infrastructure is an extremely important part. Uh, it's an, it's a, it's an important lesson that I've learned, uh, that, you know, the site has to be fast and needs to be reliable so that people can trust it to be a, a platform. So yeah, there's been a lot of learning experiences in the last 18 years. So I guess that answers the, the next question that we are going to ask, which is, uh, what's a de- what's your definition of administrator hell? So we don't need to cover that one. Every, oh, gosh. Cover that. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's many levels of administrator hell. Yeah. There, but yeah, server problems are absolutely the lowest, especially when you've got, you know, a lot of, a lot of things, uh, going on, you know, that's, that's a really bad feeling because, uh, you know, and this is my livelihood. You know, this is how I pay the bills. This is how I, you know, pay for lunch. This is how I pay for my home. You know, so so if uh, if if a lot of people are coming to the site, I can make more money. And if a lot of people are coming to the site and the site goes down, that has real financial consequences for me. Uh, so it it can be extremely stressful. Uh, but you know, personal uh, issues, uh, it, it, not not personal for me, but you know, like dealing with with uh, different personalities on the site that you know may not be compatible and you have really difficult uh moderation decisions to make you know those are really tough too it's uh it's definitely not all sunshine and roses and trips to italy and spain and (laughs) silverstone and all these crazy things you know there's a lot of a lot of dark nights where you're like oh gosh (laughs) you've got you know some moderators that want to do one thing and then You've got some, you know, some users that are upset over things. and It's just like, oh, gosh, there's no clear right answer. You know, it's like no matter what decision that I make, I'm going to make people upset. And, uh, you know, and you just got to, but I have to make a decision. So that's, um, that, th- those, those times are never fun, but it just kind of comes with the territory. And I've learned to learn to deal with those things uh, as best I can and try to, try to stick to the same principles that have got the site to the, the point where it is today. And um, those don't usually lead me astray. Well, we, we here were under the impression that you were just uh, having the beer with Kaz like every other day. Um, so <laughs> you know, a little disappointed. That's not actually the case. Apparently who knew? Uh, no, no, yeah. no, no, definitely, definitely not the case. No. Definitely not the case. <laughs> so Brendan, I think, um, yeah, you, you had the question you wanted to ask. Yeah, I mean, this one's of particular interest for me, and uh, I think it will be to you as well, Jordan, because um, it's, it's a good one to close off with, almost, because when you think about GT Planet as a resource during the days of uh, Gran Turismo 1, 2, 3, 4, straight through, the, the main numbered entries, um, a lot of people would have came to the site for information on how to beat a certain event, or how to spam Ride Like the Wind to... <laughs> to get some money, mm-hmm. <laughs> one, sorry. <laughs> but like GT Sport really marked the shift for the Gran Turismo franchise. One which I will hold my hand up and admit I was pretty apprehensive towards at first, and that's the shift into esports and the the online multiplayer side of things. Its perspective. Do you think the shift into esports has actually helped the website grow and that will continue to be the case compared to what kind of growth you've seen during the car PG days? And 
do, and on the back of that, do you expect this to be the future type of game that uh, Kazanori and Polyphony will actually chase up? Well, that's a that's an excellent question. Um, it's it's a really it's something that has been on my mind, you know, since GT Sport was uh, announced, um, or when I first heard about it, <laughs> maybe it's before <laughs> before it was announced. <laughs> Not to brag or anything, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's I think in some ways the answer to that question uh, remains to be seen. It could go either way. In some ways, uh, no, I don't think the shift away from a car PG to uh, esports is good for the site because uh, the old games were so deep; they were so they were just you know endless in terms of the the, the ways that you could play them and the ways that you know the questions that people had. They were just these rich gaming experiences that encouraged people to talk about it and you know learn more about it and and just get the most out of the game that they could and that really helped facilitate gd planet as an important discussion platform for those things so when you take away a lot of those aspects of the game i'm not sure that that is necessarily a good thing for for gd planet for the community now, on the flip side, we are sort of seeing this shift to more of an esports sporting thing, which is a completely different, it's a different, you know, it's a different mindset. The way people interact with the game is differently, is, is different now than it, than it was before. And uh, I mean, obviously, there's no shortage of people wanting to talk about sporting events. And you know, connecting over competitions, stuff like that. So, um, GT Planet is right there and ready to to fill that that new role uh, as people play the games differently and and talk about the games in different ways and learn to be faster. And uh, it has sort of become that. You know, we have a lot of the guys that are the top players in the uh, in the FIA GTC competition. They're on GD Planet. They're talking about it. They're learning about the game, wanting to go faster. So it, it may not really affect the site that much. It may just sort of change the nature of this discussion uh, a little bit. It's uh, We've seen that with GT Sport a bit, but I don't know if maybe the, the volume of, of, of people is quite the same, but I don't know if that's because of, you know, we could talk for days about racing games, you know, where they're at and what's happening in a, in a larger picture. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, that's, I think it remains to be seen just how popular this esports competition is going to be. Um, the, uh, it, it's, we're, we're going to have to wait and see, but we've, you know, we've been very heavily involved with all the esports competitions. Of course, we're going to be traveling all over the world, covering all of these events for this year's competition. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. I think, I think you'll sort of start to see a, a shift back towards the car PG model a little bit in the next Gran Turismo game. Um, don't tell anybody I said that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I, I think you'll sort of see some changes. It's going to be really interesting to see how the game evolves from this point forward because now we've kind of got 
we, you know, GD Sport has kind of proven itself. It is a it is a popular game. I think it has exceeded a lot of their expectations in terms of sales and stuff. But they also have a lot of people clamoring for that old school Gran Turismo experience. Sure. Uh, and I don't know. It's it's going to be really interesting to see the next couple of years what happens and what direction they try to take the game in. But my my goal is to just make GD Planet an, an excellent platform. Uh, you know, just focus on keeping the site uh, exciting and relevant and easy to use and whatever happens where we will hopefully be the place to learn about it and talk about it and you know it'll be that hub of the community that's that's my main goal that's that's what i that's what that's what keeps me up at night <laughs> i still think you're, you're achieving that goal because even just as a small referenced example like um, when Kaz posts the tweets with the, the shadows of what cars are coming in the next update, you can still see the beating heart of the community that made Jenkins the cat a thing, um, right. fighting the Loch Ness monster, <laughs> Mountain, like the monkey as well on the tree in that track. Like the community just throughout the years loves finding these little Easter eggs and stuff, and it almost feels like Kazanori knows that, and that's why he gives us these little teases because at the end of the day, like. Yeah, it's just cards that are getting added to the next update, but I always feel as if the Gran Turismo community in GT Planets especially, like, loves those little Easter eggs. Like, um, we don't even have to talk about the Corvette that was revealed in a cloaked form first in 5. Yeah. And then it's full, the full body was also there. So, yeah, I think um, even if conversation shifts to live chat about events, I think that that's just, as you're saying, maybe the next stage for the site. Yeah, there, that's... The next stage. That's next evolution. I'm sorry, Adam. Go ahead. No, it's uh, it's fine. I'm sorry. I, w- I was just gonna say there are always people like that. Again, goes goes back to the point about the quality of of the discussion and of the members. There are always people on the site who can find the most ridiculously like like how did they find that like little details and Easter eggs and nuggets and information about these games. Even when you think nothing's there, and like I I know I fell in love with GT Planet when I was digging through. Uh, I feel like it's one of the oldest semi-active threads on the site now is if you go to like the gt2 section and they're Mm. like even to this day like every couple of weeks now because things have slowed somebody has found something buried in gt2 that uh it's like the searching for evidence of hidden things thread it's been going on forever (laughs) and somebody has found something that was like rumored for you know years or whatever and it's just like and people do that, you know, today with these games as well, with these newer titles, and uh, it always astounds me. As someone who loves uh, finding little Easter eggs and things like that in my games, or things that, like, oh, they didn't, you know, this was on the disc, the the creators left it there, it, it feels like you're being in on a, on a little secret, and um, I'm just always astounded at the work that the community does. It's amazing. The, the passion for Gran Turismo is just... It's so special. There's a there's a magic to it. There's something magical about Gran Turismo, and I, I don't know. I think a lot of that comes from Kazunori because it is such a personal thing for him. You know, he's he's kind of an artist, and it gives it this it gives it this sense of personality that you just don't get with other games. And I, I think it, it's it, it it lends itself to that core part of the community that is still interested in these games and and these games were so fundamental to uh, important parts of our lives when we were growing up you know when we were teenagers and we're in 
you know, that's a really important time of, of our lives. And, you know, we're all roughly the same age. We kind of grew up with these games and uh, they really have a big influence on us in ways that we may never fully be able to appreciate. And I think that's where some of that passion comes from. And I hope the next generation is able to feel that as well. Um, you know, it's a different world these days, but I, I hope that that tradition can continue uh, for 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 the next the, the next games, the next generation, because it's a really special thing that that is is kind of unique. It's not unique in the video game world. There's a lot of franchises that people have a real close connection to, but but Gran Turismo is special. There's just something about it. Yeah. Something about it. Yeah, I I feel like that's like kind of the crux of everything right there. It's just that there's something in this series that keeps pulling everyone back. You'll be at the the World Tour, uh, the FIA series beginning in Paris. Is that correct? Yes, that's yeah. correct. That's correct. I'll be flying out uh, flying out in just a few days now, and um, there's going to be it's going to be bigger this year, bigger and better. They're they're really putting a lot of, of effort into this, and um, there's going to be a lot of events all around the world, and it's. I, I really hope that it's a success, but they're they're giving it every every single effort. Um, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be covering it as best we can. You know, it's another it's another learning moment for us because we kind of have to cover these things like sporting events in a way. You know, we've been covering games and you know talking about news and rumors and that sort of things. Well, now we have like races that we have to report on. <laughs> And it's a totally different type of writing. It's a different, yep. different type of you know. There's there's a lot more urgency. There's uh, it's a totally different thing. And so last year for us was really uh, sort of a, a teaching moment, <laughs> and and we're still trying to figure out the best way to do this. Um, but um, you know, of course, we welcome any feedback uh, on on any of this stuff, any of our coverage, because uh, we do we do really enjoy covering it and. It is exciting. There's real racing going on here. There's there's rivalry starting to form, and this second season uh, is going to. I think there's going to be a bit more of that human drama that didn't really exist in the in the first season. So I'm really really excited to uh, to kick off this uh, this year's season, and and the, the the announcements that are coming in Paris are pretty exciting. So definitely tune into that. Can't wait. It sounds as if it's going to be a great season, and um, I'm excited to see this human drama develop. The, the finale last year was incredible. Um, some incredible solo performances from the likes of Fraga, and um, I'm sure he'll be eager to defend his title. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, he will. Yeah, and I think you're going to have a lot of guys, now that they see exactly what it's going to take to beat Fraga, because he is so good. And he spends, you know, if you look at his stats in the game for his profile, like he's spending a lot of time playing. And uh, and now that, you know, they see what it's going to take to beat him. And I think you're going to see some guys raising their game a little bit. And it's it's competition. That's the way it works. And that's what's beautiful about it. And that's what's so much fun to watch. So it's we're, we're so spoiled. I mean, the fact that we get to see and talk about this kind of stuff for Gran Turismo players. I mean, it's just, it's really cool. It's really just cool. What a world we live in where we get to talk about this stuff like this. It's, it's, it's neat. We're so lucky. It's, it's just a lot of fun. 
I have to admit that like I, it's been tough for esports to really catch on with me, and I didn't watch much of the of the previous championships. But I, I think I'm definitely gonna make an effort to watch this one because uh, I feel like it's one of those things that like when it, you know, when you get bitten by the bug, it it stays with you. And I've it's something that has kind of been on the fringe that uh, I just need to make time for. But I'm actually you got me excited about it for sure. I'll be following along. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's totally understandable because, you know, for me too, like, I, I don't play any of these other games, you know, like League of Legends or Fortnite or any of that stuff. It that doesn't interest me, and I certainly don't want to watch somebody else play it. Um, but, <laughs> you know, but when you start to learn who these guys are and you get to know them, it's just like, just like real racing. You know, you want them to do well. You know, there's some, maybe some guys that you don't like. <laughs> and you know and then when they drop a wheel off you know and go off track you're like oh well okay <laughs> too, too bad <laughs> you know you say that yourself <laughs> but it's uh and you start watching it and you forget that you're watching a video game it's just like watching formula one or anything like that so you know that they 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 definitely are on to something here but you know give it a shot it's it, it can be really fun to watch and the, the production value and the the narrative the narrative is important too because you've got to you have to know these guys otherwise it's just a bunch of guys playing video games you know who cares <laughs> but once you get to know them and learn their stories it gets a lot more fun to watch and and hopefully that's something that that Sony is going to uh, Gran Turismo is going to focus on this season but i think they i think they know that that's an important aspect of making it entertaining yeah they've done this a few times now and i i think they're starting to really exercise the full potential of it yeah uh brendan i don't know if, if you got anything else uh on your mind but i mean yeah this has been an awesome discussion and great to pick your brain a little bit and, and have this uh chat and thank you so much for coming on jordan no thank you for having me keep up the great work with uh, time extend it's always it's always a pleasure it's been great um we couldn't have picked anybody more suitable for our first racing genre legend as we do this segment throughout the throughout the year because we plan it's just at the core of what we love about racing games and um, I mean you, you've kind of made some hints towards what the future of Gran Turismo might hold here just from your personal uh, beliefs anyway and that type of thing and I think that's understated about the website as well you really walk a great line between maintaining that relationship with the guys at Polyphony and also with the community and I think that's respected especially in an era where oh it must be so so tempting to just leak something for those clicks but like oh. you're so good at maintaining that level of balance that I'm sure yeah, Sony no appreciate <laughs> <laughs> oh don't you dare <laughs> and uh, for patrons uh, there will be a separate podcast where Jordan reveals all the secrets no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that, I think that sums it up. Um, you're doing a fantastic job at GT Planet, and um, yeah, um, we're we're so happy to have you on the podcast. And we've not even mentioned this funnily enough yet, but the fact that um, you've now allowed us to um, get the podcast on your platform is huge for us as well, because yeah. It, it, it's, it means so much that you respected what you'd heard from Time Extend up until that point to give us a, a platform to get an even bigger audience. So it means a lot to us. Oh yeah, Definitely. that's it's it's great. It's great to have you guys. You know, it's uh, 
Uh, I love featuring, you know, things that are happening in, in the sim racing community at large, you know, and, and this is one of the best things going on right now in the, in the, especially in the podcasting space for sim racing, you know, so I'm so glad uh, that you guys are sharing the shows on, uh, on the site and it's just, it's great because I want the whole thing to grow and, you know, I want you guys to be like number one trending on like iTunes podcast. Oh man. <laughs> I can't even goal. imagine. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Drive up the sales of Shocks Rally in one year, secondhand copies just because we're number one. <laughs> yeah. But we'll single handedly revive EA Sports. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Jordan. Uh, just we're gonna take a quick break, and then Brendan and I are gonna come back. But yeah, again, thank you so much, man. And uh, yeah, enjoy, enjoy Paris, uh, enjoy the show you're about to see. I'm sure it's gonna be an exciting one. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Uh, that was an awesome discussion with Jordan, but uh, we're not done yet because if you may remember um, a couple weeks ago when we had our last episode, we were giving away a copy of Andrew Elmore's Real Racing Roots 2019 album, uh, physical copy, limited edition. It's really cool. They're only 20 and you want to get one of these. So um, what we did was we put it on Twitter. Uh, we asked people to share their favorite Ridge Racer memories and um, we would read them on the show and we would give the album to one of the entrants at random so uh i'll just start going through here and uh reading them so rbh uh on twitter says that his memory um that sticks in his mind is uh finally beating the angel in ridge racer 7 after years of trying almost lost it on the final lap but managed to pull it off my hands were legit shaking when i crossed the line one of the most fun races i've ever played in any game and then he shared a video of it have you watched this brendan i have indeed a very impressive video if i do say so myself oh. i mean and those races are hard that's honestly like that's kind of what i hate about like especially like for six and seven but um the way like he he goes a bit too hard into the bridge on the back half of uh harbor line 765 and then is just pushed down the back street the entire way by the Angelus. <laughs> <laughs> That's the type of stuff I, think I love seeing in Ridge Racer. Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, Jason, uh, at Kusanagi765 on Twitter, goes, The first time I unlocked the Basante in R4, that's his memory, took me a couple playthroughs to get the position order right, but once I did, I was soaring through the heavens. Another was beating Devil 13 in Revolution with the Nejikon, which if you want to know about the Nejikon, go and listen to one of our last two episodes, because Andrew knows a lot about it. Um, he says he was overloaded with hype once he did that, and just to prove that uh, he completed the game, he attached a picture of his save for uh, Ridge Racer Revolution, which, I mean, that's good, because picture it didn't happen. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dan Clark says, uh, I remember me and my brother traded our SNES uh, and Mega Drive and a ton of games for a PS1 with no games, so we rented a copy of Ridge Racer. My brother had a big house party with his mates, and I spent all night challenging them to the best lap times whilst the soundtrack blared. I was only around 12 at the time, but I felt like having an arcade game at home. That game defines the original PlayStation for me. 
yeah, I, I imagine, Brendan, you would've been really happy to be at that party because you love the Ridge Racer soundtrack, and I, I don't. <laughs> oh, wow. I feel attacked. Yes. <laughs> that sounds like a party. <laughs> yeah. There ain't no party like uh, a Gabber party. That's what they say. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Adam J, uh, AJV1Beta, goes... PS2 memories, they're both from Ridge Racer Type 4. Uh, picking DRT, Dig Racing Team, in my first playthrough just because I like their cars, realizing I accidentally picked the toughest team in the game to win with, getting super invested in their story, then punching the air when I finally beat the game with them. And then he also he also uh, gave us a video. Uh, he says, in the video on my old YouTube channel, I caught the leader on the final lap at Phantom Isle, messed up with two corners to go, thought I'd blown it, then slipstream pass to win by a nose in the closest finish I ever had in the Ridge Racer game. And, uh, I, yeah, I watched this video as well, and he, he hits the inside wall on, like, one of the toughest corners on Phantom Isle, which is right before that kind of, uh, right-hander, right before the end. Yeah. And, and he... He uh, picks it up. He he blasts by in the last corner. So, well done. That's how you do it. Congrats. Yep. Uh, Fear, FHRHD, says, When I first got my PlayStation, I had the PlayStation Underground demo disc that had the first Ridge Racer on it. I would play it over and over again for hours, but somehow never ended up buying the game when I was a kid. I did this exact same thing with R4, uh, which I think I've said before on the show. I... Just had my my parents keep renting the game over and over again for my local video store, but we didn't actually. I didn't own the game for like another ten years after that. I don't know why. Um, Crazy. That was a bad call. Yeah, I mean it wasn't very uh, wasn't very smart on my part or on my parents' part. Uh, Nearly legless Nate says I played Ridge Racer for the first time on the PSP exclamation points and loved it. Unexpected from a Forza fan first. Weird, I know. My specific memory is actually kind of fuzzy. The first moment, or the moment I first felt all the lore and how deep all the manufacturers were across the games. Yeah, you, Brendan, you and I talked about this in the second half of the Ridge Racer episodes, especially. Yeah. And the lore is is critical and like one of the best things about the franchise for sure. It's a fantastic memory, especially um just the the, the context that is a Forza fan. So. I can only imagine like seeing that type of lore was really interesting because most other racing games, Forza included, tends to stray away from that type of thing. Yeah, and that's always like one of my issues with more like um, hardcore Sims is that like I kind of like the narrative aspect and like what I've always wanted is something that is like super realistic but also captures the uh, the narrative as well and the world building. So yeah, Ridge Racer uh, always good for that. Scott West uh, says his memory absolutely bossing the game in the darkest, creepy ass arcade in Coventry City Center after our Saturday morning ritual of Laser Quest and Arcade Time. Ridge Racer memories. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, have you ever been to Coventry City Center? I haven't, no. But like, oh, okay. I'm pretty sure every every arcade in the UK at one point was dark and creepy. So I heard that. <laughs> yeah. Most of ours just, like, closed down before they got to that point. <sighs> All right. So thank you, everyone, who responded. Our winner is Jason uh, Kusanagi765. You will be getting the album. I will be reaching out to you probably well before you hear this. Um, you were selected at random. Congratulations. And uh, enjoy it because it's a pretty cool little piece of, uh, I don't know, memorabilia. 
So sure. Yeah. Thank you everyone who entered as well. Um seeing the, the engagement on this has been fantastic and it's definitely one of the areas that we're more interested in than raw listenership as well. So um keep a keep an eye out. I'm sure this won't be the last type of giveaway we do like this. We love hearing your guys' thoughts and um knowing that we aren't the only two creeps that know everything about um arcade and simulation racing games. Yeah, uh, we definitely want to do more, like a lot more stuff like this in the future. And I just, I just like reading uh, other people's responses on the air because um, there's some great stories out there, and also fills any gaps of like stories that I don't have. So it, it makes a podcast more <laughs> yeah. fun. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So thanks everyone for listening to this uh, uber extra long, crazy uh, but awesome episode of Time Extend, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Chill guys.